Welcome. You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Martelyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you could join us. We're here today with Dr. Debbie Feinberg. Dr. Feinberg is a neurovisual optometrist specializing in neurovisual medicine at her practice, Vision Specialists of Michigan in Bloomfield Hills. Welcome, Dr. Feinberg. Uh, Thank you. It's a pleasure to be talking with you today. We first met about seven or eight years ago when you were just uh, relatively new at um, offering these services. Well, you weren't, but you were beginning to uh, teach your your methodology to to other doctors. Um, There's been a lot of progress in these last seven years. Yes, yes. I actually credit Women Optometry with becoming the first person to sort of move my work forward. It was one of your colleagues, Maggie, who uh, was finding a book that I had written. It was on the internet where you could see it on Amazon, If the Walls of My Exam Room Could Talk. And she called me up and said, can you tell me about that book that you've written? And as I uh, spoke about the book, she then interviewed me further and said, this is a great story. I want to tell this story. And so that's really where two colleagues saw the story uh, in your Women Optometry uh uh, publication and called me up and said, I want to be, we want to be your first students. And that actually pushed me to then really write the entire manual that hadn't yet been written to then be able to go on to uh, train my colleagues. And to this day, Dr. Feinberg, Maggie and I both hear from other practitioners who in the middle of a conversation will say, have you heard of Dr. Feinberg? Yes, the uh, you know I, when I think back on the beginning part of the story, really it involves my brother-in-law, who was the one he is an ear, nose, and throat doctor, and he himself needed some care, uh, where I was able to give him prism to resolve his symptoms, not thinking anything about it, and as he began to listen to his own quote-unquote dizzy, off-balance patients in his office, he then called me up, which I thought was out of the blue, but he'd been thinking about it for quite a while. He said. I think you need to see my dizzy patients. So it really was a journey that I wasn't looking for. And yet when it came to me, it was quite, uh, no pun intended, an eye opener that as an optometrist, I could help a population that really didn't learn in school that we could help. And then it sort of morphed into, then a brain injury doctor found me and I was able to actually help her much like I helped my brother-in-law. And after helping her, she said, I need to send my traumatic brain injury patients to you. So it was, it was very serendipitous. I wasn't seeking it out. And yet once I started working in this field, I began to discover it's quite a hidden problem. And these patients sometimes see eight to 10 specialists before they're helped. And the ultimate goal was once I started doing the work and being so grateful for it, because of Google search, people actually started to find me by Googling dizziness and anxiety and um, panic attacks on highways, very unusual and interesting symptoms. And it was really one patient from San Antonio, Texas, who traveled by two Greyhound buses to get to my office over two days. That was the beginning of me saying, we have got to train colleagues. And so I credit my husband with coming into the office on Saturdays with me and helping me to write that very first manual. We have 27 colleagues trained from around the country and one from Australia. Mm -hmm. But as you know, with our, our 
big, wonderful country, it's still a drop in the bucket for the number of optometrists who are out there and still the number of people who will call us and look for help from all over. So for example, when I first started talking to you, we had about 25 emails a week with questionnaires filled out to tell people they had these symptoms. Now we get 125 a week. Wow. And so wow. the goal is to really continue to move the work where we can train more colleagues around the country and the world. Let's, let's understand that um, neurovisual medicine, neurovisual optometry is not vision therapy. Can you kind of set that up for us? I would be happy to. So the ultimate goal um, for my work was to take someone who walks in my office, feels ill, and try to get them better quickly. And in the early days of practicing, I actually did vision therapy, and I love vision therapy. I even tried it with my brother-in-law. And ultimately, he said, Debbie, you have to get me better faster. I have to get back to work. And so it was truly helping him with PRISM that drove me to say, I need to actually find a way to get these patients better with lenses as quickly as I can so they can move on, get back to school, get back to work. So my work really is old-fashioned optics. In other words, you know, taking that time to figure out what does this patient need, not for each eye individually only, but how do these two eyes work together as a team? In doing that kind of detailed work, I discovered I needed a long time to do that. So my exams are 80 minutes in length. Mm -hmm. And the goal is when they come into my exam room, I can take 15 to 20 minutes just to figure out their story. What are your mm -hmm. symptoms? What do I need to think about today to get you better? And by the end of the exam, the goal is using a trial frame, using the lenses that I'm measuring and finding, can I reduce your symptoms? And very often, it's an 80% success rate within um, 50 to 80%, I should say, within the uh, first visit. You know, their dizziness might be an 8 out of 10 and it can go to a zero, or it might be a headache of eight out of 10, it can go to a two. So it was really a neuro, the neuro part is the symptoms of headache, dizziness, nausea, light sensitivity, imbalance with walking that can be from birth, or you can acquire them after a head injury. I remember you once telling me a story about a gentleman who came in and was noticeably listing, I guess, as, as he was walking down the hallway and very challenging for him. And you went through the process and you put new new frames on him and he walked upright and with almost no difficulty. Um, that's just magic. It feels that way. I mean, you know, the, the fun part about science is when it works, it feels very magical. And I would say in this work, the beauty of the work is that it's so expedient. So for example, if I have one leg shorter than the other and you give me a lift in my shoe, I'm going to have a more even gait. We often call these glasses with often micro prism lenses incorporated with the refractive correction into the glasses, into the trial frame. Once you align these images that the patients are seeing, it's almost like giving them a visual orthotic because now mm -hmm. it feels like they know where their body is in space. They know that um, that's that hallway that we use that's 30 foot long, four foot wide. They before didn't know where the center was or didn't even know where the center of their own body was. Once the correction is placed in the trial frame, 
They feel centered. They feel like they know where they are in space. And there's this sort of calm that settles over their body. Anxiety is one of the biggest symptoms that my patients have. It's mm-hmm. that fear of falling, fear of um, not knowing if they're going to make it home from the grocery store. So some of these big open spaces, like the tall ceilings with lots of stimuli in that space can really be overwhelming to my patients. They'll know I got to go in the morning when no one's there, go at the end of the day, but I can't go when there's too much going on because that it's very visually mediated. So the more information they have to process, the more their system can't do it and can't uh, synchronize the images. And they end up having some anxiety, some panic, and all the symptoms of dizziness and headaches. So um, it's a very environmentally driven space. It can be on the highway. The highest Google search to my office right now is dizziness on the highway where they have to pull over, they're getting anxiety, they're getting panicky, and they feel like they're not going to be able to make it home. Undoubtedly, this is not their first stop. That is very true. Many times they've seen between eight and 10 specialists. And, you know, it might be the ENT because they're dizzy. They might be the neurologist because they have headaches. It's the psychiatrist and the psychologist because they're anxious. Uh, They often are given balanced therapy, which doesn't always work, very often doesn't work. So once um, they have that sense of calm, they feel like for the first time somebody understands them believes them because it's almost uh, my brother-in-law shared with me in in his fellowship he was told that it was psychogenic these are patients who are sort of making it up so when a patient hears that you know there's nothing wrong with your ears I'm going to send you to the psychiatrist they begin to not even believe their own symptoms and that is the most heartbreaking uh, part of it So what I like to say about the work we're doing is it actually expedites their other therapies. So more commonly in our world, especially with brain injury, once we're able to synchronize those images, then they can go on and finish their occupational therapy or their physical therapy. Now they're not overwhelmed in that big space that they have to work in to get better with the rest of their physical challenges. You spend 80, 80 minutes with, with a patient for a, a first visit. Do you see patients regularly? So here's the course of therapy. We call it a course of care. We see them for that very first visit, and we finalize the prescription based on symptom reduction. We order that pair of glasses. They receive that pair of glasses. And then as they wear them, we have them wear them for a solid four to six weeks, and then we set them up at the, a visit that we'll then see them at that six-week point. We call that a progress assessment. Very often those muscles, when they come to see us, are so tight and from compensating. As we give them the prism and the correction, those eye muscles relax, and then at that six-week point, they come in and they're really ready for that next prescription. We use the term progressive relaxation. As those muscles relax, we actually find, let's call it a new landing spot for their eyes, where their eyes need a modification to that prescription. If there aren't any other interfering variables, for example, let's say they're on a a lot of medications or things that could interfere with finalizing the script, uh, sometimes those two visits are all that we're needing, and then we'll see them for an annual appointment. Nice, nice. So... How is it now that you're that you're teaching this method? 
So what we've done is we've set up a, a course of training that includes five days. So doctors will come to our office. We have some preclinical work that they get once they sign up for the program. And then once they arrive, uh, they usually arrive on a Sunday night. Monday morning, we start with them. I start with them personally, one-on-one. -on -one. Occasionally, I'll have two doctors at a time training with me from different practices, which can be nice because there's sort of some lovely synergy that happens between the two colleagues training with going back to the hotel and talking about the day's work. But there's that one-on-one -on -one or two-on-one -on -one care. That first day, they learn the didactic, the teaching of the technique. They actually uh, examine my eyes. I examine their eyes. And by the end of that day, they've been using the tools that they're given. They're using the technique. And then on day two, which is Tuesday, they will then watch me see four patients. Now, mm -hmm. on a nor or normal day, I'll see eight and no more than eight. But I slow it down during training week where they'll see four with, they'll, they'll watch me take care of four patients. It gives me that time to show them the nuanced things that occurred during the exam, how I address those concerns and the patient's responses to them. On day three, which is now Wednesday, it's their turn to see the patients. Mm -hmm. I'm right there with them. And as I'm helping them with the care, I'm adjusting, you know, making sure they know, let's try it this way, let's try it that way. These patients already know that they're going to be part of the teaching program, so they're very comfortable with being in this setting. And then on Thursday, which is now day four, they will then see my other colleagues in the practice. So there are five of us who only do neurovisual medicine. That's our comp complete focus. But it's nice for them to see different styles of, of care from my other colleagues. And that's Thursday. And then on Friday, they come back to my room and then they will finish up the week by seeing four more patients. Uh, mm -hmm. We have we have late nights sometimes. My brother-in-law, the ENT, will do a whole program for three hours on ear, nose, and throat and the connection between, you know, what an ENT does with a dizzy patient. So it really expands their knowledge of what is this neurovisual course of care. How does it interact with other doctors and care providers? I also want to share with you that what every colleague leaves with is a suitcase of tools that some are personally designed by our office, but these are tools that they're going to be able to use when they start seeing patients, literally the Monday when they come home. So the goal is for them to really have everything they need to begin this work on day one of returning back home. And that's an important part of the program because some of these, this equipment isn't really available in the marketplace. And so it's important that they have everything they're going to need to be able to do this work. If you're seeing eight patients a day, in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. How big is this need? The need is tremendous. We have done a lot of uh, sort of anecdotal research protocols where we're, we'll go do a lecture and have everybody in the entire room, let's say 100 people, fill out our questionnaire. So our sense of the prevalence in some of our studies and our um, anecdotal work is at least 10% of the population, if not more, has this condition. So we do think it's common. We just, especially because of the questionnaires coming in, these patients are coming from everywhere and have this condition. We know we need to train more colleagues. So how they're hearing about us 
can be from, let's say, a podcast like this. They might see it in your Women Optometry Journal. Mm -hmm. We've had the opportunity to speak to, at a, let's say, a Gary Gerber lecture, where mm -hmm. we've had some uh, colleagues come from there. So I think our biggest challenge right now is truly making our colleagues aware that this specialty does exist. You know, one of my colleagues, I asked her this morning, what do you think might help me explain what, what got you excited about doing this work? She said, very often as an optometrist, we know that there's some more that we could be doing for our patients, but we don't always know what that missing link is. She right. said, after working with me three years here now, she realizes that this was part of that missing link. The patient mm -hmm. who comes in with a headache that we're not quite able to resolve or the nausea or the imbalance that we never thought was part of our toolbox to help people with. So I, I think it's still hidden knowledge, but I think the more we can teach our colleagues about the questionnaire, the, we call it a binocular vision dysfunction questionnaire. If they use that questionnaire, they might see that their patients are suffering from symptoms. Again, they didn't know they could even resolve. And that questionnaire is on your website? It is on our website. And it's also with a very simple URL. It's isitmyeyes.com. So if they have a patient coming in with dizziness and they think, I don't do dizzy, but they could have them fill out that questionnaire, that'll go right to our website. And then we will, we will call the, we call every patient back or email them. And then we will then send them to our network. Mm -hmm. So that's the important piece. We have only 20 of these 125 a week coming to Michigan, 20 are international and 90 are national. So the goal is to shoot out these questionnaires that come through and get them to the colleagues who are out there doing this work. And there's obviously room for more colleagues to join in. So many. Uh, my ultimate goal is to have somebody in every state. Most of us, if we think about these symptoms and start asking our family members or our friends, somebody knows someone who's a little bit nauseous on car rides, who, has head, who have headaches at the end of a work day. Um, and who have a little bit of lightheadedness or a little clumsy, klutzy issue, or children who are struggling mm -hmm. in the classroom. Um, they are often candidates for this care. Do people go back and immediately contact folks that they might know of in their, in their patients that they might know of in their database and say, come in and see me, I have an idea? They do that. In fact, what we do before they come is we ask them to have as many patients fill out the questionnaire before they even come. So sometimes they'll come with a stack of questionnaires and they say, wow, this is what I found. And I never thought to ask these patients these questions. One of our colleagues from North Carolina, uh, Dr. Han Shoemaker, who had a patient who was a weather forecaster came in for care and his symptoms were dizzy while driving on the highways. And Dr. Hanshoemaker was able to discover that he needed prismatic correction built into the glasses. He had them on in the waiting room, a clip on actually of the prism over his existing prescription. And he took a selfie and he then put it on his own Facebook where he has 20,000 followers. And he says, I am here in this optometrist's office. And for the first time in many years, I feel so calm. My anxiety's down. My dizziness is gone. I feel like a different person. You need to check this out. And here's the URL. Fill out this questionnaire. Make sure you aren't somebody who could be helped and not have to live with the symptoms as I did. Wow. Within a month or two, Dr. Hans Shoemaker received a thousand questionnaires. 
Oh my goodness. And we were all overwhelmed. We were just on the phone trying to figure out how to guide him, how to help him. And ultimately, a doctor from three hours away in North Carolina in Charlotte, uh, Dr. Tracy McIntyre, said, okay, I was going to come to train. I'm going to come sooner to help you out. And she did come. And I think what it really told us, those of us who are doing this work, is wow, this is really common. And if each of us in our city had a newscaster or forecaster, whether anybody who has prominence could do such a thing as a selfie and then share it with their big population of followers, how many people would we really be helping that didn't even know there was hope and help? Another thing that my patients, my colleagues, when they get back to their hometown do is they reach out to neurologists and ENTs, psychiatrists, and all the doctors who we talk about in our network of um, team of treaters, if you will, the PTs, the OTs, letting them know about our work, giving them all access to our questionnaire and telling them, here's a tool in your box. You know, if you have a patient, you're just not getting better, you're frustrated, the patient's frustrated, let them fill it out and teach them, we teach them how to score it. And if they're filling it out and they're scoring high, then you know there may be a visual piece to their puzzle that maybe need to be maybe needs to be addressed. So we, we like to empower those colleagues who then begin to learn about this visual connection so that they can, you know, help their own patients who they seem to be finding are challenging and need maybe another answer. Um. So, Dr. Feinberg, from seven years ago when you taught your uh, method to to the first uh, practitioners to now having 27, I hope that the next time we talk, you have 270 and and growing. Thank you so much for your support. I'm really, I think of you guys as the the group that helped launch um, this specialty as you help so many of our colleagues, and we're all really grateful for your presence in, in our industry. Well, thank you for those kind words. That's wonderful. Uh, Dr. Feinberg, thanks again for being with us. Thanks so much. Take care. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again next time on WL Voices. If you'd like to be part of our podcast series, please contact us. You can email us at wovoicesonline at gmail.com or via our website, womeninoptometry.com, on Facebook at WL Magazine, or through Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.